Hey, it's Sammy here. I wanted to give you a little update about the podcast and our summer plans. This is going to be the last podcast for the summer. There are several of us that are going on some vacation time, so we are going to take a break for the podcast over the next, well, next two months. So uh, we will most likely be starting up again in September, assuming that everything goes well. But just stay tuned and we will let you know what the plan is. Ty is going to be giving this last podcast. Now, I forgot to release it on Thursday, so it's going to be releasing on Friday, even though he's saying it's Thursday. Now that I've cleared that from my conscience, um, yeah, please enjoy the last podcast for the rest of the summer. And have a great summer as well. May the Lord bless. You're listening to the Mountainside Kairos Podcast. Hey, hey, thank goodness it's Thursday again. Welcome back to the Mountainside Kairos Podcast. I hope that you had a great Canada Day yesterday and that you are making the most of this remarkably rainy summer that we've had so far. Hopefully, with as July continues, we'll see more sunshine rather than just a bunch of rain. But rain is good. Uh, what's also good is God's word. And today we are going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3, which talks about the qualification for leadership within the church, specifically the position of overseers or pastors, as well as deacons. Um, but before we dive into that, uh, I just want to share with you, before uh, recording this podcast, I listened to this fascinating webinar um, interview with this guy named Mark Sayers, who he's a pastor and writer and thinker from Australia. Um, he's had a major influence on my own personal faith and walk with Jesus. And I would recommend checking out his stuff. He ho he's part of the podcast, This Cultural Moment, and also his own podcast called Rebuilders. Uh, but anyways, this isn't about him. Uh, but this webinar that he was hosting was about talking about the shifts that are occurring in a rapidly changing world and society, which there definitely are. And one of the biggest shifts that he's noticing that has major implications is the shift in power. And he's saying that traditionally, at least, um, since the Industrial Revolution, but also well before that, power has been held by institutions who were founded and run by the elite few and the experts. And the power was held and distributed from the top down, you know, from the government down, from the, the church and the pope, the clergy down, the universities down, etc. Um, but we, we are, what we are seeing now is that power and influence has shifted away from the institutions and experts and is now held by what he calls the network. And the network is kind of this tough concept to pin down because it's kind of like the amoeba of the internet, you know, where ideas are shared rapidly and things can go viral in an instant. You know, something can be shared as a tweet and the next thing you know, it's influencing a worldwide movement. That's kind of the network and the power of it. And so power and influence is no longer determined by your position in an institution, but by your location in the network. And so your influence is determined by how many followers you have on social media or how many retweets you get or something like that. You can be a global influencer purely because you have a large following, regardless of if you're an expert on the topic or not. And for this reason, Mark Sarah says that those with the greatest influence in the network are also those who are most likely to be influenced by the network. So it's kind of a dangerous place to be because with that influence comes a lot of power, but it, it doesn't necessarily require character to have that power. And as the famous saying goes, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So it's no wonder why the news and social media is is filled with the moral failings of highly visible and influential people, everywhere from actors to directors to YouTubers, and yes, unfortunately, to pastors. 
because they had been given these large platforms without the foundation of character. And that's why I find the qualification for the leaders of the church, for the pastors and deacons described in 1 Timothy chapter 3 to be so fascinating. Because almost all of the requirements are to do with the person's character, not their competency or their personality or their charisma. You know, if you read the list, it says, you know, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil." Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. And kind of when I look at that list, the only thing that I see that really speaks of the competency of the pastor is his ability to teach. You know, it's an important and and significant part of what a pastor does, but the rest of the list, by and large, talks primarily about who he must be. He must be a person of character someone who reflects the character of Jesus. And what's interesting also is that the qualification for deacons, which is just given right after that, is nearly identical to that list, but without the ability to teach. And so what's saying is most important for power, for influence, for these positions of leadership is your character. Because these would be the people who would have the most influence and power over the people in the church. Um, but it's it's this different kind of influence. It's a different kind of power than that of the positional power or the network power that, that comes from having a huge social media following. It is this spiritual authority. And spiritual authority comes only with spiritual maturity. And so as, as Mark Sayers kind of says, he says that the kind of power and authority that this is the kind of power and authority that can come only from being formed and shaped by God, you know, continually by being in his presence over time. It is a spiritual maturity, the authority of holiness, of godly character that is the result that's not the result of having a huge audience, but the result of coming before the audience of one in humility and letting him shape you. And uh, in, in, First Timothy, later on in, in verse 14, in chapter 3, Paul writes this, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And so, church, if we are going to stand as the pillar and buttress of truth, as the household of the living God, then we are going to need spiritual authority. Our leaders need that, but so do we. You know, if we want to influence our culture without being influenced by it, we are going to need more than just platform. We need the spiritual power that comes from godly character. And we're going to need to not just open our mouths to try to debate with the hottest issue of the time, although that might be important, um, We need to live holy lives to display the power of God at work within us. That is going to be a far stronger argument for a better way than anyone could ever make over a social media campaign. 
That's because spiritual power is primarily about who we are and how we live more so than what we simply say. How you treat people is going to say far more than what your argument is. And that way, when we do speak, it comes with the oomph. It comes with the backup of character that reflects our humble, our loving, and servant-hearted Jesus. And the amount that we reflect Jesus is directly proportional to the amount of time spent with Jesus. Having him shape us in the silence and the solitude, being humbly formed by his word through prayer. And uh, to quote Mark Sayers one more time, he's actually quoting somebody else. He's saying that God is taking the wood from deconstructed platforms and using it to build prayer closets. And so, even if you don't have a platform yet, then good. Save the wood and use it to build a prayer closet and then spend time in it. Abide in Jesus. Earnestly seek God's presence and let him shape and form your character. And then he will give you the spiritual power and authority as he sees fit. And I think that one of the ways that we do that, that we gain that spiritual authority, is not just by being hearers of God's word, but by being doers and sharers of it. And that's why at the end of these podcasts, I want to ask you these three simple questions. Um, what do you think God is saying to you today? What is he What is He speaking to you and how does he want you to change? And then next, what are you going to do about it? What are you specifically, what actions are you going to take to step out in obedience to that? And finally, who can you share with what you learned today? Who, who, who can you pass on what you learned and encourage with today or challenge with? And I hope that as you hear, do, and share, that you would be blessed and that you would know God more truly and become more like Him. Have a great day.